Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request and I am your host, Justin Lamb. And this is episode 23, my interview with my friend, Lisa. Um, this this deserves a little bit of background because this is, a, this is a pretty important interview to me. I was in a class called the, I believe it's the Foundations of Alcohol and Substance Abuse. And everybody in that class, for the most part, uh, ended up sharing some pretty personal stories. And I asked if anybody would like to share those a bit more publicly via this podcast. And Lisa took me up on that offer and uh, really has quite an amazing story and the the things she has gone through and come out of uh, alive and well to this day is, is pretty impressive. So uh, we did record this back in uh, December, the beginning of December. So you might hear a Christmas reference here or there just to clear up any confusion there. But uh, it's really, really amazing story, and uh, there are a couple triggering points. Um, we talk about suicide, so if that's something you are uncomfortable with, um, just know ahead of time that that is going to come up. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I really, I found a lot, uh, I found a lot to enjoy about this episode. So I really hope you like listening to my interview with my friend Lisa. Join me after the podcast and we'll talk about some of the fun stuff that's going on and some of the reviews you guys have left. And it's going to be a grand old time. But until then, here's my interview with my friend Lisa. I start out kind of with how I know you. Okay. So I know you from uh, the class we had together. Just foundations of alcohol and substance abuse. Exactly. Which I really loved. It was <laughs> my favorite class ever. It was great. So, Lisa, thank you for being here. No problem. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, I'm going to jump back in time. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any siblings? I have a younger brother, yes. Younger brother. So you're the firstborn? Yep. Um, your parents together when you're born? Yep. And my parents are still together. Congrats. That's a rarity. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's how old are... Or how separate? I can't talk. How far apart are you and your brother? Like two and a half years. Okay. So now, do you you don't have any memories before he was there? I'm no. Assuming no. <laughs> when you were two. <laughs> no. Uh, so what's it like growing up with mom and dad and your brother? Um. Well, I didn't. I don't really get along with my brother. I never really cared for him growing up. To that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that wasn't a good thing. Um, my parents were good. My dad was a good provider. He worked for um, Michigan Bell, okay. so he was union, and um, I think sometimes he took advantage of the union, you know, <laughs> mentality type of thing, but um, it's put a roof over my head and raised okay. me and kept me clothed and everything like that, so it was all good. Did your mom work or did you stay at home? She was a stay-at-home mom okay. until I was in high school, which was probably when she should have stayed home. <laughs> But Started chose, getting into trouble in high school. Yes. <laughs> my first drinking experience, it was my freshman in high school. Okay. So, yeah. Well, did you and your brother not get along because just he was like the little brother? and or I think probably because I wanted to be an only child. <laughs> 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 and um, we're night and day, and we always have been. And it's unfortunate, you know. Um, but... I don't, he, we never ran in the same crowds. We never had the same interests, yeah. nothing like that. And we found ways to torture each other growing up all through life. So yeah. I have an older brother and, uh, yeah, we've, we've never really gotten along. We're civil now just cause we're older and he, I love his kids, but 
he lives in Texas, and we just like talk when we have to for the most part. Well, see, you're better than me because I do not speak to my brother. So I did that for a number of years in there. I know, right? It goes on and off. So what yeah. can you do? Family. Exactly. <laughs> happy holidays. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I gotta gotta stop saying happy holidays because this is not gonna come out anytime before Christmas. <laughs> um, anyway, so you start drinking yep. freshman year. Okay. It was, uh, I can actually tell you exactly when it was. It was like around the end of September. I went with two of my girlfriends to a party and seniors were there. And that was my first experience playing quarterbacks. So this is the beginning of your freshman year. Yes. Okay. Because we got, all got grounded. Well, two of us got grounded and couldn't go to homecoming. So that was October. Yeah, so that'll do it. Yep. I was grounded for a month. <laughs> But that for the didn't party? Yeah, for well, my parents had a brand new car. This <laughs> is great. And they were my best friends and the one puked in my parents' brand new car in the back. And my dad had to pull over and she was so hysterical. My dad had to like literally smack her to get her back to reality because she was like, "I'm so sorry. Oh my god." And she puked all over the place. Jeez. And then we dropped her off and my other friend spent the night with me at my house and my mom was like no told her mom keep her there i'd like her maybe if she gets sick lisa will have to take care of her or whatever <laughs> so we were woken up early the next morning at seven and had to clean the puke out of the car ouch what kind of car was it it was a blue cavalier okay mm-hmm. yeah i remember it like it was yesterday <laughs> that's so funny yeah um did that party set off a, a chain of this is what high school is going to be like yes but um, that was my first, like, major drinking experience. I had experiences probably when I was younger. Like, my parents snowmobiled, and they always carried um, a pint of, like, peach schnapps or peppermint schnapps or um, cherry brandy. It's like classic for that generation. Yep. And they <laughs> would always give it to us as they were snowmobiling and tell us to take a swig to warm up while we were in the snowmobile with them. And how old were you when all this was happening? Oh, probably 10. Okay. You know. So is alcohol always around in your household? Yes. My parents are both um, alcoholics, but they're in denial. Okay. Even to this day? Yes. To okay. this day. Yes. So that alcohol is kind of normalized then in your family? Yeah. Very much so. To the point where um, I didn't realize until I got older and I moved to Rochester, which will be 20 years now, that everybody didn't grow up the same way I did yeah I remember one night my dad came home after a work party and he was smashed and couldn't find the toilet and ended up in the bathtub you know and my mom just let him be in there and my parents had best friends that lived behind us and they would get drink drunk together all the time so I thought that's what you do you found a friend that lived next to you and you partied and my parents would have us my mom you know decorate the christmas tree with the neighbor's kids and feed us mac and cheese i mean it was just i know a lot of families in neighborhoods like that yeah i mean you know and there are still people who it they do that yeah. but i my parents drank every single day and still drink every single okay. day yeah so that's uh yeah. consistent to say the least. I, yes <laughs> and like um my dad would come home and he would sit down at the kitchen table and drink two to three beers and discuss his day with my mom and we were not allowed to come upstairs we had to go down in the family room and wait till they were done with talking about their day and then they would have their beer and then we had dinner 
Is that just adult time? I think so. so. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I they, I was, my mom would always say how much more open I was with my kids and my kids knew just about anything yeah. going on in my life. Um, I guess they weren't so as open maybe. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I think sure. that's, I mean, in my experience and like, especially talking to people, it seems like a generational thing, right? Like our parents did not grow up in a time where vulnerability was right. <laughs> out in the open, especially men. Like that was not something you did. Um, I've talked to my father-in-law about that and he's like, no, unless... Like your best friend or the bartender is like, tell me how you actually feel. <laughs> like then you didn't talk about stuff like that. Exactly. And exactly. I think uh, it's great that that's slowly not becoming the norm. <laughs> so I think there's something to be sh- uh, said about sharing vulnerabilities and, and sharing uh, your story, really, and kind of not not oversharing to the point where you're just not helping yourself or anybody else, but sharing to the point where you're kind of creating that line of communication with people you care about you know yes and i also think you know sharing your story can help somebody else or someone else knows that they're not the only ones going through things so i think it's important that people realize they're not alone absolutely yeah can i agree more um don't want to give away the ending here but alcohol is definitely a theme um Oh, it was very normalized in my life. I mean, uh, we'd go to my aunt's for Christmas and, um, my mom would get wasted. There's no other way to put it. Um, she'd be in the bathroom throwing up and, you know, it was only, we'd only been there two hours. My mom had a lot of anxiety when it came to her family. So she drank a lot. Um, there was many other times where we'd have to pull over on 275 so she could throw up. Um... So it was very normalized. I mean, that's just, my parents just drank and you did, I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. That's funny. Um, just one of the things that we learned in that class is the anxiety actually increases when you're... I know, when you're drunk. Uh, yeah. And you, most people think it relaxes you. Yeah. It doesn't. Especially like the after effect. <laughs> Half of hangover is anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, I don't remember my mom getting very many hangovers, maybe because she was just so used to it, you know? Some people hide it well, too. I mean, I, I definitely, cause you know, you're, I feel, I feel like when you're hungover, there's a couple things going on. Like one, there's a level of shame that you're not going to address or talk about. Right. Exactly. Um, and that feeling like shit, unless you have someone in that camaraderie with you, you don't want to talk about that. Cause you're more ashamed of that as well. Cause that's just proving the point that you drank too much the night before. So then you want to disguise that as much as possible. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I went out after a night of drinking and like, uh, sneak to fucking two cheeseburgers at McDonald's or something just to be like, I need to feel better. No one needs to know that I just had four Motrin and two double cheeseburgers. <laughs> it worked, but yeah. it's not the healthiest of ways to deal with that. My biggest, um, I hear was when I became a waitress because you'd be hung over, you'd still kind of be drunk and yeah. waitressing for two hours, you'd sweat it out and you'd feel fine. Yeah. But otherwise, if you laid in bed, you were sick for like a week, yeah. you know, the older you get, the worse they are. So yeah, mine was always four Motrins, some greasy ass food and then sleep for an hour or two. And when I woke up, like bed was all sweaty, but I felt a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad always had a saying, um, if you pay, if you play, you pay. So, um, you know, if you're going to go out and play, you yeah. have to show up to work the next day yeah. or whatever. Yes. And that was always my dad's mod- motto. And uh, it, I followed it, too, as an yeah. adult. Yeah. And that's one thing. I've only gotten in trouble once <laughs> when I was like 21 or 22 for being 
like so hungover the next day that I still smelled like alcohol and like might have been driving badly when I had to drive people around for work. <laughs> it was the only time it ever interfered with work. But and that's the thing, like you can drink too much and still like maintain I mean that's the term functioning alcoholic, right? You can still Correct. maintain everything. Uh it's it's just wild what when you really piece things out what, what's happening in the world around you that you don't even know about it is kind of amazing that's for sure so high school ends you, um you, gra- you graduate in 88 88 and mm-hmm. you at wild lake central do you decide what to do next well, actually i didn't decide oh. my dad decided <laughs> for me um i was going to college okay. um i did not want to go but he thought that's what i needed to do so I went to Eastern Michigan. Ypsilanti. Yep. <laughs> I went there and I was 17. I turned 18 a month later. And I got an AM partying and ended up dropping out a year later, a year and a half later. Such is life. <laughs> yes. And I would say, I mean, through high school, I can, I mean, we went to spring break. We went to Daytona. We drank. We drank. I tried pot my junior year of high school. So the drinking just got more intensive yeah. the, the older I got and more available. Like, yeah. I could out-drink some frat boys, you know. <laughs> it was not. I mean, at the time, I was very proud of it. But looking back, it was kind of stupid of me. Liked beer at one time in my life. Hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so what? Uh, what's going on in your relationship life during this time after high school? And, and um, made a lot of very poor choices when it came to sex and drinking. And um, it's funny how those two things go hand in hand. <laughs> Bad decisions and yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I think I was looking for validation or I was looking for someone just to love me and I never found what I was looking for. So after I dropped out of school because I was getting horrible grades and I was literally partying my ass off the whole time, um, I went home and I had worked at F&M. I don't know if you remember F&M. I loved F&M. That was my first, well, my second job, but I stayed On there. On Dixie next to Dunham's? Actually, I was at Novi. <laughs> okay. Yeah, from Commerce <laughs> driving out to 12 Oaks Mall. Yeah. And I was told if I wanted to go to Daytona my senior year, I had to pay for half of it. So that's how F&M came into play. And I worked there from when I was 16 till I was 25. Oh, okay, wow. And I would come back on weekends during college yeah. and work at least one week in a month. It kept me on the payroll. Then I met a man who was the assistant manager at the Novi store at the time. And I dated him for two months. And he got transferred to Lansing and told me I either went with him or it was over. I was 19 years old and he was 26. And I went with him. That ended up being my husband for the next... I was with him for 24 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. and All from F&M. I know. And Are there old boxes boss. of F&M name tags and I'm sure there is someplace, <laughs> let me tell you. We actually, we worked together at Novi, and we went one day and had to work at Tally Hall. And he asked me out on uh, the day after Valentine's Day. So 
And that was a quarter bounce night, and I had just got out of college, could totally outdrink him, and the rest was history. So you're, when do you guys get married? How long are you together before we, you get married? Um, so I was 19, that was February, and I turned 20 in September. I got married when I was 23 in October. I had just turned 23 in September, and got married October 9th. And were you guys together that entire time? Or was it like on and off? Or No, we were. We lived together. Okay. Literally, we moved in two months. We dated for two months and moved in together. And he really like um, wooed me, you know. He like <laughs> made it look like a great thing, you know. Um, flowers, took me to Chicago, did this and did that. And then I moved in with him and wasn't the same, that's for sure. Yeah. Not 100% of the time anymore. <laughs> well, it wasn't even close okay. to the same, but anyways. Um, so how's married life once you guys are? Well, I knew the, I knew I shouldn't have married him. Okay. I, I mean, we went to, he, after dating for two months, once we moved in together, for some reason, sex was not something he wanted to do anymore. Oh. I remember one, one year, I think we went a whole year without having sex. Wow. I remember. How do you, how do you approach that? Like, did you guys have conversations about that? Oh my God. I cried and I felt rejected I for imagine. years. I, um, I would only tell you my self-esteem is finally getting better at now at this yeah. point in my life at 49. Um, I remember putting on like one incident. I don't know why it sticks in my head, but I put on like a little negligee or teddy cami and short outfit. And I came out into the living room and he was reading the newspaper and he looked over and was like, eh and looked kept reading the newspaper and i went and locked myself in the bathroom and just cried i mean i was 20 years old and yeah. i just didn't think i could get any better i didn't think i didn't have a lot of boyfriends in high school um i think i always shot too high you know he wanted the real popular good-looking guys <laughs> you know i probably had guys that liked me that i didn't know about yeah. but um so the older he, i get the more i learn about these people <laughs> Why didn't you say something in high school? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you found me attractive, really? No one told me. It's <laughs> funny. So when I had met my um, husband, you know, soon-to-be husband, he was like, wow. And like I said, he wooed me, you know, brought me yeah. flowers, took me to Chicago and all this. And then I wanted to have sex all the time for two months. And then once we moved in, it stopped. Did he ever give you an explanation for that? Tired, not in the mood. It was like later, because you guys divorce now, right? So yes, <laughs> Did, yes, and he never just he never gave like a real no nope. okay no nope. huh I have ideas in my own head I'm sure <laughs> yeah which I don't care to just yeah, you know that's that's fine <laughs> that's personal but for him but um you know there was incidents I mean the rejection was the hardest part yeah and I would cry all the time and be like what's wrong with me towards the end of our relation our marriage i was you know do you want a blowjob in a parking lot do you want a hooker do you want this do you anything yeah and um i remember watching 
60, yeah, 50 Shades of Grey, that was it, are reading the book. And they talked about Benoit balls in them. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy these. So I bought them. They stayed in that box until um, after I got divorced. He was never interested in any of yeah. that stuff. Not No sexting, no nothing. nothing. And he traveled Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Thursday. Wow. Like which, year-round? Yes. Jeez. And that even made it harder because I would figure once You think he, came, he ever had like something else going on? No, he swore he didn't. Yeah. And I was seven years younger than him, so he had trouble keeping up with me. So I can't imagine him having a second to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. But I really don't have an explanation for that. But I do have two children, so it did work <laughs> at least twice. <laughs> so when to, how far apart are your, two, are your two kids? Um, About two and a half years. Okay, just like you and your brother. Yeah, <laughs> or a little, bit, a little bit less than that, actually, yeah. Uh, when do you... When do those, when do them, when do them come along? When, when do your kids come along? Well, um, I, we were, I was pregnant for our one year anniversary. Okay. So we got pregnant in 93, 94. I was pregnant and I had my son in 95. Okay. So I was telling him he's 24 now. And I was like, do you realize at your age right now, I was pregnant with you? Like to look the stuff I did, I would really be like, Oh my God, if my daughter moved in with a man seven years older than her at 19, I would not be happy. Yeah. So I wouldn't have stopped her because I can't, because that's what I did. But still, it's really eye opening when you have your own children. Yeah. So you are married and first year anniversary, you pregnant? Yep. With my son. You have your son, and then a couple years later, your daughter. Or... I had a miscarriage in between. Okay. And, um, Actually, I was not supposed to try to get pregnant for three more months. That was in December. And in January, um, there was a night. I call it my, she's my passion baby because it was one night. I said, oh, we don't need to use any protection. Sure and shit, I got pregnant. And I will tell you, literally, the man who did not want to have sex, every time we tried to get pregnant, we got pregnant. So either we were both very fertile or he saved up his sperm and it made him fertile. I'm not sure, but it worked every time. You're destined to have kids together. <laughs> I, I, yes. Yes. So. So what's life like when with you and your husband once you guys have kids? Um, It's still the whole no sex. Um, I'm starting to drink um, more. And Drinking more as a mother? Yeah. Well, think, as a you, person, like, I wouldn't say I drank at home. Yeah, okay. I've never been the type of person to sit and just, like, have drinks every night. I was, I'm more of the type of person who would sit and have a, you know, go out with my girlfriends and have too much to drink. Yeah. Or go over to my other, or go to someone's house and drink too much. Yeah. That was the type of drinking. Or, this is really good, <laughs> we're having a kid's first birthday party yeah. and you got drunk at the kid's first birthday party. <laughs> well, come on. Why else do you go to a kid's first birthday party? Exactly. <laughs> it's for the parents. Right. Um, what'd you do hobbies-wise? What'd you do with your free time in that 17 years? Um. Well, once my kids went to school, you know, I was... The room mom. I was the Girl Scout leader, the brownie leader. Yeah. I planned parties. I planned parties for my kids. I volunteered at the school once a week. I did lunches, got my toes done, decorated, cleaned, did laundry. I mean, 
I didn't never sit around and ate bonbons. <laughs> Ran but the household, though. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. Absolutely. He came home, his underwear were always clean and in the drawer. <laughs> so, What were your drinking habits like during that time when you're staying at home? I, I was we're never talking, a we're day drinker. We're spanning like two drinker. decades. but <laughs> I know. I wasn't a day drinker. I was more of a, like I said, it was a party. I remember yeah. coming home. I remember we moved to Rochester when my son was in kindergarten. So he would have been five. Because we lived in Waterford first. Then when my daughter was six months old, we moved to Ohio Ooh. for three years. And that... So just would, for his work? Or? Yes. Okay. And I would tell you, I really didn't drink that much in Ohio unless my mom or dad would come down. Because yeah. my mom likes to drink a lot, so she'd get me to drink with her. So they seem to be kind of this enabling presence that keeps showing up. In times when you're not really drinking, when they appear, you start drinking again. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, I'm I mean, I can't remember, like, any bad fights or, like, drunken nights in Ohio. I just, I mean, I'm sure there was a few, but I can't. But it was Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, or, like, we'd come home from Michigan and go to my parents, and I'd have drinks at Thanksgiving at their house. But yeah. I can't remember anything being... But when we moved to Rochester, now I was in town with my friends. From I had one girlfriend from high school, and um, I'd go to her kids' birthday parties, and I'd always drink way too much. Yeah. So I remember sitting in the driveway and him being like, I told you not to drink that much. And I'm like, I don't want a dad. You're not my dad. You yeah. can't tell me not to drink. And it always turned into a huge fight. I'd always want a divorce. I was always screaming at him because when I was younger, I was a mean drunk. Yeah. Yeah, and I took a lot out on him, and I also think it was a coping skill because I was rejected sexually. Yeah. So not only that, I mean, he was not the type of man who'd want to hold my hand. If I asked him if I looked pretty, he looked the other way and said, you look okay. He didn't even tell me on our wedding day I looked pretty. Um, I was going to tell you that, too. He didn't, con didn't want to consummate our marriage, and we were in Jamaica for three days, which is very interesting day two i think it was he got totally drunk in jamaica and i thought okay and i put on you know lingerie Ooh, let's do it. and he's like oh i'm too drunk i'm gonna be sick and so he couldn't he didn't want sex then and i remember sitting in a hot tub like thinking i looked at him and i'm like why did i marry you i should have never married you i knew it look you don't even want to have sex with me on our honeymoon yeah. so this was kind of a the pattern through our whole marriage and i do think that um I have a tendency to know, to know in myself that one drink was never enough. Yeah. I drank to get drunk. Yeah. And so I think that is how sometimes I tried to escape reality or... Um, Self-medicate. Yes. Yeah. And if there was any time of a man giving me any time of uh, attention when I was drunk... I would take right. it even if he was around. It didn't I'm matter. Sure, I imagine because you weren't getting any of that at home. And right, and I never cheated on him. I yeah. will. I mean, I had opportunities, but I never did. I was very faithful to him, and um, but I mean, I remember going to like one of his relatives' wedding, and I'd be like, "Oh, let's go back to the room and have sex," and he's like, "Oh," and I'd be like, "Oh, but he'll go back and have sex with me." Okay, I'm going with him, and he'd just like stare at me like, "Are you kidding me?" But um alcohol made me very 
angry and my, all my true feelings really came out yeah. when I was drunk. So it wasn't pretty. <laughs> um, when does that start manifesting into a problem? Mm. Is it a slow, a slow I never ride? thought it was a problem, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Okay. I mean, I just thought, you know, I was drinking too much or, you know, I was not the type of person who drank every single day. Yeah. I drank probably every two weeks. The older my kids got, that's when the drinking would kick in more. Yeah. I, I was not one of these moms who sat around with my little kids and drank. Yeah. But once they got like, they can, you know. When he would be out of town and they would like be 13 and yeah, 11 yeah, degree, or yeah. 15 or whatever. Then I would start going out to dinners with my girlfriends and we would drink yeah. at dinners then. But I also have a best, I had a best friend and she lived in Michigan. And when I lived in Ohio, we'd go stay with her and I went to college with her. So she was always one of my drinking buddies. Okay. It was if I was going to see her, it was given we were going to get drunk. Yeah. And that was no matter how old our kids were because yeah. the husbands were there to take care of the babies. And so that just continued for yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Um, how old are your kids when you guys decide to get divorced and what leads you to that? Mm, my son was 18 and my daughter was... Uh, I asked for a divorce in April and she turned 16 in September. Okay. What led to that? Well, I got a job and I was a receptionist and I had men starting to tell me, oh, you're pretty. Oh, I like your hair. Attention that you've been seeking for 20 years. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I must not be that bad. Look at all these guys. Look at, you know, and, um, one in particular took a really interest to me, and I never had a sexual affair or cheated him in on that matter. So I guess if you want to say, though, it was probably emotional affair, yeah. and some would call that cheating. Yeah. Well, I imagine there's a level of intimacy that you had been missing out on for over two decades. Definitely. And someone was feeling like that... that will grow into a big void yeah uh and it's not i mean i I think obviously correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that intimacy is in a lot of ways way better than any like sex could be and getting that attention and feeling that connection that you've just been longing for can probably awaken all sorts of things in yourself like oh maybe i am worth more than this maybe yes okay and that's exactly what it did i mean my ex um, was on his cell phone. I'd always tell him that that was his girlfriend. He touched her more than he did me. And this man I'd go out to eat with at lunch, and he'd put his phone away, and he'd want to listen to everything I'd say or be like, oh, that color looks really pretty on you. And just those little yeah. things was just enough to make me go, oh, my goodness. Yeah. We had gone on vacation in April. We were going to Florida, and we were driving. And my ex is one of these, like, if he didn't know where he was at or anything, he'd be like, Lisa, he was, he's a yeller. So he'd be like, where the fuck are we? What are we doing? And I'd be like, I don't know. I've never been here. How do you expect me to do this? And um, when I tell you, I lived a nice life. It was a very nice life. We rented um, 
an oceanfront house for a week and it was by St. Augustine and it was beautiful. I mean, but this is when it all came to a head because I was working with this man who was giving me attention and I'm on vacation with my husband who's, I wanted him to walk with me on the beach and he, in the first day it was like pulling teeth. You know, did we walk far enough? Is that, you know, I'm tired. This is horrible. And, or we had sex in the morning and it was over in 10 seconds. And I'd be like, can we have sex tonight? He goes, well, you just got it this morning. I'm like, but it was over just like that. And he's like, well, that was quick or whatever. And I'd be like, well, it's not because of me, because I'm asking to have it all the time. And he's like, well, we haven't had it in a long time. I'm like, that's not my fault. I remember going on this vacation and him, like, he ate with the kids one day and we were supposed to go out to this nice couple's dinner, just me and him, have a couple of drinks, look at the sea, the ocean. And when we got to the restaurant, he wasn't hungry. He was this. And I just thought, I don't want to live another 20 years like this. Yeah. I do not want to, I mean, no matter how nice, I was not going to have an affair. I was not going to cheat on him. That was not our deal. Our deal was if you ever want to be with somebody else, tell tell the other person and we'll come out, you know, we'll figure it out. And we got home and I think a week later I went to him and said, I want a divorce. And our marriage was the type where I think I went to him every six months and told him I wanted a divorce. Because to live with someone who rejects you all the time yeah. is horrible and he would tell me oh, i'll get better i promise i'll get better and it just never got better but i also didn't know what i was going to do with two kids yeah. I, I did not have a college education i was a stay-at-home mom he would tell me what do you want a divorce oh, there's the door you're not going any place you know and um when my son was in fourth grade, that's I wanted a divorce, and my dad told me at the time, we don't get divorced, you go to counseling. So that's what we did. And things were good, I don't know, for six months. I find marriage counseling very interesting because when you get to a point, they sometimes want to dig and dig and almost create more issues. Yeah. And I was like, oh, things are fine. And the therapist was like, are you really okay with just fine? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> to me, I was okay with just fine. Like, I've had terrible this many years. Fine exactly. Is, fine is a good level right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't regret staying after the first time when I was extremely serious. But um, I don't know how life would have been. You know, yeah. I don't know if, how my ch- if my children would have turned out different than what they've turned out as and stuff. But I can't change that, so I try to focus on what we yeah. do today. Yeah, and that's got to be a daunting fear as a mother. Just like I want to leave this, but I have these kids. Like, what is that going to do to them? How, like, how much is he going to support it as far as financially? Well, he would always tell me if I ever get divorced him, he would become a taxi cab driver and make sure that I got no nothing. Yeah. So he held his finances over your head. Yes. Every step of the way. Yes. Yeah. So what, what's his reaction? How long does it take for you guys to get divorced once oh, you decide? Well, I'm the type of person who doesn't <laughs> sit around. <laughs> 
so once I decided I wanted a divorce and I thought I had met my Prince Charming, um, I told him my best friend was supposed to come over on that Friday night. I told him when he came home from work and he's like, oh, why isn't she here? And I was like, oh, we need to talk. And he's like, what? So I told him and I was crying and he was like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Cause he thought it was one of those. Yeah. I wasn't serious again. Yeah. And, um, that Sunday it was my niece's birthday party. And I said, well, you're not going to go. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're getting a divorce. Like I'm done. And he was like, then reality sat in, and then he basically told me, okay, you want this divorce, you tell the kids. So um, I didn't end up as a good guy in the divorce at all. Yeah. And I've been divorced for six years, and the last six years of my life has been the hardest years I've ever lived, ever. So, but I'm still standing, Yeah. and I'm still here to tell my story, so. So let's let's go over those six years <laughs> and this is a lot of the stuff that you talked about in class correct um, yeah. so what happens after the divorce um well like we decided we're gonna get divorced i went and got a lawyer and actually gave him money and that's when he decided i needed to tell the children so for about six weeks he still slept in the same bed because he could yeah and that's what he taught me I'm like, why don't you sleep downstairs? Because this is my bed, too, and I'm going to sleep here because I can't. So it was just kind of like all dicky moves. So I was drinking more, of yeah. course, drinking through my divorce, um, spending weekends with one of my other girlfriends who had been through a divorce. She was a big drinker, so we drank a lot. Um, him and my daughter did not get along, but once we decided we wanted a divorce, they sat down and had a conversation and put everything in the past and became best friends. So they would sit downstairs in the family room together, watch TV, and I was, like, basically summoned to my bedroom upstairs and wasn't allowed to come downstairs. Or, You know, if I came down, they didn't want to talk to me. My son was um, had graduated from high school, and we decided to ha throw him a graduation party. My ex was never really social at parties. He showed up at this graduation party. He was Mr. Social. He was talking to everybody. But he threatened for a long time not to come. And I'm like, this is our son's graduation party. Yeah. So anyways, the papers were filed in May. I was divorced by July, which is really unheard of in That's Michigan. Quick, yeah. <laughs> it was 61 days. And especially with children. But my daughter was 15. And we could say it was best for her best interest to get divorced. So we get a divorce. In comes my Prince Charming that I met from work. And that's when he decides that he's going to officially, like, date me. Because when I was going through my divorce, he didn't take me out on any dates. He would just talk to me on the phone. Didn't have any sex with me, even though the papers were filed and yeah. everything. And he said, you know, looking back, one day you'll look back and be like, okay, I never cheated on him or had any sexual relationship yeah. until I was actually divorced. And that was a month after a month after I was started dating him. It took a whole month before he'd have sex with me. And then I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. This guy can have sex 12 times a night. Oh, my God, I hit the jackpot. And um, he was a drinker. Uh, he was like he was a total nerd at work, but then went home and drank like tons. And so my drinking increased quite a bit. Yeah. 
and I'm not, I'm a beer girl or a wine. I mean, I like wine, but it's gotta be sweet or Riesling, but vodka, raspberry stoli was my choice of drinks. How often are you seeing your kids after the divorce? Um, I stayed at home Monday through Friday. My son is in college at this point, so he's doing his own thing. Yeah. He went to Oakland. Okay. But he would come home and spend the night and stuff, but he would go to frat parties and stuff. At this point, my ex moved out, and my daughter, um, at this point, our relationship's not good. Did she, do you think she just resented you for the divorce at all? Yes. Okay. At this point, she moves in with my ex. Okay. And my kids have said, well, you were never home. I said, well, I was home on weekends, but you guys never came over to see me. What was I supposed to do? Just sit on the couch and hope that you're going to come over and see me? Because me and my ex agreed to me keeping the house for two years till my daughter graduated from, I mean, high school. Okay. So I'm in the family house and he's in a condo. And... My kids aren't coming around, and I'm out with this guy partying, and um, it just was kind of a shit show. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, I tried. I'd ask my kids to come stay. I'd ask them to come over. I mean, it was their house, their bedrooms. My daughter would be like, I don't want to be in that house. It's not really our house anymore. I'd tell my, I called my ex like a year later, and I'd be like, our daughter's not staying with me. Can I sell the house? He'd be like, no, we agreed two years. <laughs> so he really, like, he even held that over in my head. Yeah. And eventually, the Prince Charming dumped me. And that's when my life really went down the tube. What happened there? How long were you guys dating? 18 months. Okay. Why, On and off. What did you break up for the final time? Oh, <laughs> okay, we got to talk more before I can tell you about the okay. final time. Yeah. So anyways, he um never been married, never had kids. Okay. He even convinced me to um have a baby at 43. Wow. And I was willing to do this for this man. Anything this man asked me to do because this man would you tell me getting... I was pretty, he t- held my hand, he yeah. I had sex. So You're getting everything you were missing the last 20 some years. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And he was wonderful but he had commitment issues and he um he was very smart and i didn't i don't i didn't have the best taste in men he was one of these men where i didn't know where china was so he told me he didn't know if i was smart enough to for it to be in a relationship with him because he didn't know if he could talk to me about certain things i said because i don't know where china is I'm like, okay, well, you don't know how to be a room mom. You don't know how to make a party. You don't know how to do appetizers, you know. So, like, I tried to point out that I did have my own specialties that I brought to the table. But for some reason, I stayed because I was getting all the intimacy I wanted. Yeah. We tried to make it work. He wouldn't stay at my house. Oddly enough, his sister lived in the same subdivision as (laughs) me. Small world. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't want to stay over because he didn't want his niece and nephew to see his car in my driveway. But if we went on vacation and they were on vacation, we could still have the same hotel room. So I'd be like, what's the difference? Yeah. And some people just, it's their way or the highway. So 
So he breaks up with me um, right before the two years hit. We go to sell the house. So I decide to try to find myself a condo, which is very hard in Rochester because they go over really quickly. So anyways, I find a condo, put my house on the market. He breaks up with me. Um, My kids are not speaking to me at that point. I mean, they're speaking to me on and off. My ex is just being miserable, and I'm drinking quite a bit at this point, a lot. And it was the perfect storm. It was one night um, right before the house was sold, for sure. I mean, the house had an offer. Like, I had to sign papers, and I tried to kill myself. How'd you do that? I drank a fifth and took Xanax. And I called my best friend and told her goodbye. She didn't answer her phone. I left a message on my ex's phone. And the man, I had, he had broken up. He answered his phone. And he called the police. And um, I guess ultimately saved my life. Yeah. Which I was very bitter towards him for doing. Because... At this point, I had given up, I felt, my whole life for this man. Yeah. Because I might not have had intimacy and I might not have been happy, but I had someone, you know, I had a family. I had two kids, two dogs, a house. You know, we did family stuff, and I gave it up for this man who, in turn, ended up dumping me. Yeah. It was devastating. Devastating. I... I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went out after work and I drank a lot at this work gathering. And I don't really, I, I didn't really drink and drive. That was my big thing. I didn't drink and drive because I could walk. And I drove home and someone was supposed to come over and she decided not to. And then I went out with my son and his girlfriend downtown rochester for someone's 21st birthday party and i said i was ready to go and we they were driving me home and me and my son got in a fight in the car and i just remember feeling like i didn't have him i didn't have my daughter i didn't have my ex felt alone yes very alone devastated i felt like i i had no one to blame but myself i had given everything up thought the divorce was the answer and this was going to be my solution to to happiness and instead I wound up more miserable than I'd ever been in my whole life and alone. So my answer was to kill myself. And it sounded great at the time. (laughs) It really did. And um, Alcohol and Xanax will... (laughs) make that sound pretty good i'm sure well actually it was the alcohol the fit it was the the vodka i drank and that's when i got in a fight with my son i went in and i remember just taking a bottle of xanax because that was like my breaking point that was it yeah and um i was rushed to the hospital and sent to havenwick where I spent a week, and then they kept me for a day program for three weeks. Mind you, the whole time, 
they're trying to close on my house. I'm in a mental hospital. I can't sign papers. They're trying to tell the buyers that I'm in a car. You know, like, yeah. it was just miserable. My ex, the whole time before I tried to kill myself, I remember I had to stay in the house. So the depression started setting in because I would look at the four walls and this man was broken up to me with me. And that's when I started drinking almost every night. I'd sit down and have my bottle of vodka because it was my ex got to leave the situation. I had to stay in it. And he kept me in the situation. He wouldn't let me sell the house. I didn't get a fresh start. I had to sit around with yeah. all the family memories. I had to. I was in the four-bedroom house, the big yard. I had to fight with my son to cut the grass. I had to. I just remember it being miserable. Maximum loneliness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And to the point of going, this is what I wanted. This is what I thought was going to make me happy. I sit around and I cry all the time. Yeah. So that's like when the down spiral. I mean, once that guy broke up with me, but that was a really big down spiral. So what, what's life like after Havenwick and, and the day program? Well, I move. I get out. Is the house gone when you're out? I have to pack up the house and okay. move. Which my ex at this point is being really nice, and he helps me move. He helps me paint the new place, blah, blah, blah. Everything's good. Well, I imagine somewhere in his head he's taking some accountability since you essentially tried to end your life. And I can't imagine he didn't feel some level of responsibility for that uh, with the manipulation leading up to that moment. I don't know if he ever did feel any responsibility because, honestly... Um, the whole time when I was sitting in the house, like, crying after the divorce, he was like, well, you always thought the grass was greener on the other side. This just goes to show you it wasn't. And then I'd cry and tell him I was depressed. And he'd go, you just need to snap out of it. You need to get out of yeah. out of this. You have two children. And then when I tried to kill myself, he was like, "That you have two kids you have to live for. That's This is not acceptable. You know, you, and instead of being more compassionate and realizing it was a I was clinically depressed. Yeah. You just wanted me to stay. I mean, even I remember being diagnosed. That's what I was telling you. That was, and I remember calling my ex and being like, I just got diagnosed with being depressed. And he's like, well, yeah, I could have told you that. And someone else told me. I was like, why didn't anyone clue me in? Yeah. I'm going to work. I'm, you know, showering. I'm doing this. What do you mean I'm depressed? Well, everyone knew but me. Yeah. <laughs> and then... That So th I took my daughter in April. This was at the end of April when CPS was called. She diagnosed me at the end of April, and then I tried to kill myself in July. So that was the time frame on that. So that time passes. You move out. I get in a condo. In a condo. I'm still trying to make things work with my Prince Charming. And he's just as manipulating as my ex. And... My friends don't understand why I'm still trying to keep a relationship with this man who's not wanting a relationship. But I'm not the type of person who just walks away. Like, I try really hard until I know the relationship's dead. Yeah. You know? I mean, obviously, I stayed married for almost <clears throat> 20 years. So, um, he would take my calls, like, at 11 o'clock at night. Well, at one... And I was still having suicidal thoughts, though. That's the thing I did find out. Once you've tried it and you survive, the thoughts come in your head easier yeah. 
that then before you try to kill yourself. So I was having a lot of thoughts and then I was getting the rejection from him. So three of my girlfriends went behind my back and told him to no longer take any of my phone calls or any of my texts and have no contact with me. And they don't tell me they're doing this. So he just stops answering my phone calls and I don't understand. So I show up to his house one night and he's like, you should go. Well, then the next day, my best friend calls me and she's like, I know what you're doing. You're, you're showing up at his house. You're taking your phone calls. I go, what are you talking about? How do you know this stuff? Well, come to find out, he called them and told them. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, she won't tell me what they did. And she told me, you talk to your other friends. I'm like, what's going on? Well, she won't talk to me. So I get in my car and I'm driving to his house. And then another friend calls me and, and I start, I'm like, what did you do? And she's like, don't yell at me. And I was like, so needless to say, I get to his house. He explains everything to me. I calm down and they, the one owed me a lot of money and they all decide they don't want to be my friend anymore. And I don't want to be their friend anymore either because I thought they betrayed me. They went behind my back. Like, yeah. I thought they should have had an intervention or talked to me or, you know. Here's a person who's seriously depressed, just tried to kill herself in July, trying to divorce, trying to make it work with this man, and they leave me. So um, I last about a month. And then I go see a therapist that I'm seeing, and I walk in, and she's like, you know, I don't think there's anything else I can do to help you. I said, what? I said, are you saying you're done with me? She said, yeah, I, I'm done with you. I'm like, are you serious? You're like, fire me? Yeah, I'm done with you. So then I have pink eye. So I go to CVS to get my prescription. I call one of those other women. And I'm like, why haven't you returned my phone call? She starts lecturing me. I drive past my old house and sit and stare at it and think of my old life and I go home and I try to kill myself again. Second time. Yep. Same situation. Yep. Same situation. And I called the 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 Prince Charming and told him and he called the police on me. Second time for that too. Yep. Okay. And they couldn't get in. They were pounding at the door. Anyways, I wasn't, I was in and out that time when they came. The first time I was out of it. The second time I was in and out. So I remember going to the door and I remember them telling me I had to lock up my dogs and I was like, I'm not locking up my dogs. And then they told me I had to get my medicine. So I always traveled with a bottle of, this time it was Ativan. I always travel with a bottle of Ativan on me because it was really good for anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I had a bottle at home. Well, I didn't take it all the time. So I probably had saved up 350 at least out of bands. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, that is a lot of pills. Yeah. it was, And it was in two <clears throat> bottles. So I don't take enough that time where I have to be um, charcoaled or anything. But I am locked up again. And. Um, I remember calling my friends from the mental hospital crying and apologizing and none of them would take my phone calls. None of them. And that was devastating. 
I got fired from my job. My ex did show, he showed back up to the mental hospital. Once again, gave me the lecture. You have two kids. This isn't acceptable. My, that time, my mom had a bad back and had to get back surgery. So my parents didn't come down to see me or come and see me afterwards. My son picked me up from the mental hospital and spent two weeks with me to make sure that I didn't attempt again. And I get fired. <laughs> so you'd think I'd just be able to collect unemployment. <laughs> no, <laughs> the lady at unemployment told me I wasn't qualified for unemployment. I'm like, I was fired because I tried to kill myself. How, how much better of a way can you, you know, be fired for? I'm like, people purposely get jobs and get fired and you give them unemployment. I don't understand. Yeah. So just the way my life was going, I had to get a lawyer. And then I had to go in front of, to go to a judge who was, all I had to do was tell him I tried to kill myself. And he was like, yep, unemployment granted. But that cost me two, three grand to get to that point. Yeah. So that's how I lived off my summer. And in the meantime, I tried to reestablish relationships with these friends. That didn't work. So the following April, I'm still talking to this man, this Prince Charming. He's in and out of my life. And so anyways, we go out the following March. I get him to pay me. I get him to give me money because I was like, you got me fired. If you hadn't called the police on me, I could have just died. And I mean, I was so irrational thinking yeah. and I was not in the right frame of mind. And this is the saddest part. No one got it and no one understood. Yeah. And they just all thought I was just so fucking nuts that it was better just not to deal with me, which was harder to live with than, you know, people being compassionate. Like, my mom tried to be compassionate, but my mom would be like, I know what you're going through. I'm like, really? You got divorced. Yeah. You gave up your whole life. And she's like, no. And I go, well, then you have no idea what I'm going through. Yeah. I have no one to blame but myself. I did this all to myself. And my parents... We're in Arizona, so they sent me. I went to see them for a week, and I remember coming back. We were driving back from Sedona, a beautiful day, and this man says to me as I'm in Arizona, because he decides, he's not sure. He thinks he might want to do another try, but I'm not allowed to call him every day. I can only call him at this. And I called him to tell him that I had gone on this um, cruise, like a, paddle boat not a paddle boat but you know like a river boat yeah, yeah. in the canyons and had a great time and i called to tell him about it and he was upset because i called him too much so on our way back from sedona he was like i just can't do this it's over and i was like you're kidding me you're breaking up with me why am i on vacation with my parents i'm sitting in the back seat of the car crying and you're breaking up with me he's like yes so okay so we deal with this, and then I remember I still, I saw him a couple, I kept calling him because I, I had no one to talk to. Yeah. My girlfriends are gone. My ex, you know. So finally he quit answering his phone, which was probably the best thing he did for me. Absolutely. Because if someone still answers your phone, you're going to call. Yeah. Especially if you need someone to talk to. Yeah. So that was in... August, September. Then, <laughs> so I'm still drinking. 
I get a little roommate. I'm waitressing at this point, realizing it's great to drink and be able to waitress and, you know, work off your hangover and all this. And I get a roommate from work. She's a bad relationship with her parents. She's 20, I don't know, four or five years old. Maybe I was trying to replace, you know, replace that part of my heart where my kids were supposed to yeah. be. So I go out with this girl for my 21st birthday. We go to the bar. My son's there with his friends. So I'm buying shots with his friends. His friends are buying me shots. I end up puking on the way home. I mean, not pretty sight at all. I'm just a drunken mess at this point in my life. Yeah. I'm having one night stands that I hadn't done since I was 18. Because now, okay, Prince Charming's supposedly out of my life. My ex is out of my life. So I'm going to fuck around because isn't that what most people do when they get divorced? I imagine part of you was like, I'm going to go back to where I left off at 18, 19 when you started dating your husband. You know, that's a really good point because there's been a lot of times in these last six years where I'm like, I am doing everything other people did when they were in their 20s, but I'm in my 40s because I was playing house in my 20s. Trying to catch up with all those experiences you think you missed out on. Yep. Yeah. And I'm meeting men at bars. I'm drinking. Um, So I meet this guy on Bumble. (laughs) And I talked to this guy for a few weeks. He is just so funny. So charming. So funny. He always called me his um, baby girl. And I just thought that was just just a sweet little name. Adorable. Yes. (laughs) You know? Like my ex never called me something like that. And I was just like, oh, this is just nice. He comes over November 4th. This is two years ago. So it was two years this November 4th. And he comes over on a Saturday. And he bebops in. I mean, he's full of energy. And just everything like I thought on the phone. And... He takes me to Taco Bell, and we sit, we watch football, and we're having a great time, and we the alcohol comes out, and we're playing Yahtzee, and I look at him 12 hours later, and I said, I think I'm in love with you. And he said, I think I'm in love with you, too. Well, the next morning when we woke up, he, now, we didn't have sex for t- two, three weeks. It was really kind of funny. He was like, he told me, I've never met anybody like you. You're not, you know, you're a different kind of per- woman than I've ever been. And I will tell you to this day, it was love at first sight. Yeah. And it was on a Saturday, and I was going to go to Vegas and marry him on Wednesday. And I, when I got divorced, I was granted eight and a half years of alimony. If I would have went to Vegas, I would have lost my alimony. Ah. But I didn't care. Yeah. This man was the cat's meow. He was like amazing he was funny he was into me he you know talked to me on the phone and I just I was taken back I never met somebody with such enthusiasm and such life and just it it was love at first sight and um the next day I should have realized because he wanted to go to Myers, which is less than a mile from my house and buy a fifth of vodka and start drinking in the parking lot that we had an issue. But no, not me. You know, love is blind. So Mm -hmm. that night I made him lasagna and 
you know, he's passing out on the couch and couldn't remember we had lasagna the next day. And I was like, hey, look, I'll tell you this. I, I do drunk, but I don't do stupid blackout yeah. drunk. That's who you are. You got to go. Like to keep your drunk fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want you to remember. I want you to pay attention. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not that. I'm not that. <laughs> well, you know, all the little pints in his bags. I should have realized he is and still is to this day a full blown alcoholic. Then, like, I started thinking, what the hell did I get mm. myself into? But this man wants to have sex all the time. He's, you know, I'm beautiful. He's funny. He wants to just, you know, at first you find it flattering. When a man wants to just be with yeah. you. And well, he, and he's checking a lot of boxes that you formerly <laughs> had left blank for quite a while, right? Yes, even more so because he he's he's okay with being at my house. He's okay with yeah. standing with me. He wants to move in with me. He wants to marry me. Um, he turns out he's a narcissist and a manipulator and an alcoholic and an emotional and emotion verbally and physically a user so like i said i didn't have very good taste in men yeah so i detox him off of vodka which was an interesting experience because still at this point i'm drinking but i'm not i wake up in the morning and have shakes this yeah. man would wake up in the morning and literally have shakes yeah. i'd never seen anything like this before and um so I detox them off the vodka, and you have to mark the bottle so you know, like, because you can't, he couldn't just quit vodka. He, you have to take him down slowly. Someone who drinks at yeah. least a fifth or more. also learned in the class. I know. <laughs> yeah, we learned this in the class. Alcohol which, is like one of the only withdrawal symptoms you can actually die from. <laughs> and he would tell them to me, I'm yeah. going to die, you know, and his mom would tell me how to do it. So I got him off the vodka. And then here comes Christmas, right? So he's like. Oh, I, I'm going to get some, we'll call it whiskey. I just know it was brown liquor. And I'm like, I thought you weren't drinking. Oh, that's just vodka. Brown brown liquor doesn't make me nasty or anything. I'm fine. Well, I'm stupid. So I was like, okay. So it's Christmas Eve and my parents are over and my kids are over. And he is wasted drinking his whiskey or whatever. My daughter's lecturing me in the kitchen really mom this is what you want to live with and i'm sitting there like can't understand because i'm not seeing it through their eyes yeah. my son is like we'll leave her alone if mom's happy and then i come to find out later my son's avoided my house because he didn't like this guy my daughter didn't like the guy christmas day he gets drunk again and he ends up smacking me right as his kids are supposed to pull in and his kids know he's an alcoholic and I've learned now at this point he's an alcoholic, but I think I can figure this out. Yeah. I, I, you know. I can fix that. Exactly. Yeah. And his kids come over and I go tell my roommate that he smacked me. His kid, My roommate goes downstairs, tells his kids that he hit me. And so she got them involved. So he, they get in an argument. He won't leave. The kids are trying to get him to leave. They won't leave. His kids finally leave. He blacks out. He doesn't remember hitting me. He doesn't remember anything. And he wants to then in turn blame me for all of it. He was really good. He was even, I don't know who the best manipulator was in my life. But anyways, so 
I fast. So then in January, supposedly he's not drinking his vodka. But now this attention is starting to go a little crazy. Because I told him I had to get a job. I was like, Christmas just came. I have bills. This is fun sitting around with you. Like, I remember one day, like, we were in bed drinking. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to bring the drinks up here. And we're going to play. I'm going to be naked bartender. And we're just going to make vodka (laughs) drinks in bed. I mean, like, it was like a party, you know. But I had bills and responsibilities. And he didn't care because in his eyes, I was getting alimony. And he wasn't paying rent. I was responsible for everything. In January, I was like, you know, you need to give me money. He still didn't want to give it to me. So one day I had to take this car and I went to work and I get this phone call. You're not at work. My my phone says my car is here. I'm like, no, I'm at work. And he was like, no. So I had to send him pictures. And that was, um, I worked at one restaurant in Rochester. He didn't want me ever to go to that restaurant. He started becoming extremely controlling and started eliminating people out of my life. And he made, he had us make a, we both made a pact that we weren't going to let our kids come between us because we knew this was so fast and so quick that like our kids would object. So my kids started not coming around and I started seeing less of my kids and I started talking less to my parents at this point. And, but I'm still like happy because no one has ever given me so much attention that they just want to be just with me. That they're okay with just sitting home, playing Yahtzee, and watching a movie and drinking. Like, he would tell me it was sexy when I decorated the Christmas tree. No one ever told me decorating a Christmas tree was sexy. I mean, come on. So, um, but then, like I said, it started getting really bad. And I started, you know, becoming names. I'm Now I was a fucking slut. You're out fucking people. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm at work. I'm doing this. And that's when the emotional abuse, you know, I mean, so... The end of January, there was one day he where he took six Percocets and drank a half a case of beer, and he was out of control. And I wanted him out, so I called Oakland County, and they came to my house. And I need to add, he was an ex-correctional officer. So Oakland County shows up, and hmm, little do I know, the guy was like, "Nope, he can stay." If you're scared, you need to leave. I said, but it's my condo. And they said, it doesn't matter. I'm like, his name is not on the mortgage. He hasn't paid me any money. Nope, he can stay. So I go upstairs and I'm pissed. And I'm like, so I get my stuff and I leave. Because come to find out, he knew the first police officer. But then when I came back, I was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'm going to make this son of a bitch hit me or something and call the police. I couldn't get him to get that riled up or anything. But he swore to me, give me a month. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. So I said, okay. That's fine. So three weeks, you know, things are better. Then it starts going downhill again. And I have... I finally erased him. I have all these, I had voicemails where he was like, you fucking slut. Who are you out fucking? You know, you're such a fucking bitch. Now he's in my house and I'm out doing whatever. And it was the week of um, Valentine's Day. And I told him he had to leave and he wouldn't leave. And at this point, I don't see how I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Because he's not leaving. And he's getting violent and get drinking more but then there was valentine's day so 
I didn't celebrate Valentine's Day with him, but then a few days later I did, and we had sex, so in his eyes everything was great, but it wasn't. And then he decides he's going to have his friends over on a Saturday night. And him and his friends, I guess, have shared partners. So one of his friends wanted to know, would I be willing to do that? And he's like, nah. He goes, but then again, I don't know. You give her enough vodka and she'll do anything. Well, I knew this going in. And I was like, your friends can't come. He's like, no, they're coming. And I was like, no. And I knew he had told this to his friends. So I went to a hotel for the night. Because I did not want to put myself in this situation. Which, come to find out, he was like, yeah, you know, I probably would have told you you could have done it. But then I would have told you what a slut and what a bitch and what a whore you were for doing it. So, I removed myself. That was on a Saturday. Sunday, took a while to get home. And, like, that Thursday, I didn't feel good, and I went to bed early, and he was mad. But it was everything was always okay. He could do it, and I couldn't. I remember he went to get soup. He got the wrong kind. When I told him it was the wrong kind, he told me I was an ungrateful bitch. I mean, it was just, like... Constant. Yeah. Yeah. So, Monday morning comes around, and I can hear him downstairs... And that Sunday night, like, I went to go sleep on the couch. He was on the couch. Then I went to go sleep in the bedroom downstairs. He came downstairs. I locked the door. He picked the lock. It was constant. So I woke up, and I was like, he's got to get out. And I went downstairs, and he was sitting on the couch. It was before 9 o'clock in the morning. He had cracked open a beer. So he's drinking. And I told him to get out. And he's like, I'm, I'll leave in 15 days. Because he actually gave me rent for February. And I was like, no, you need to leave now. I'll help you. And I went downstairs and he started throwing all his clothes on a pile on the floor. And he was nothing. He's like, no, 15 days, 15 days. So then push comes to shove. And I'm chasing around. And I'm, trying, I'm taking his phone. I'm putting his keys in the toilet. I'm trying to do anything for him just to get so mad. Oh, back up. The night he was on Percocet, I locked him in the garage for five hours till he got off his fucking high because he was so high and out of control. I was scared to have him in my house. So now we're back to the morning in February. So I'm trying to get him out. At one point, I go to, I try to shove him. He shoves me and he looks at me at one point and he goes, if you don't stop, I'm seriously going to hurt you. And then we were in the bathroom at one point, and he put it, took my arm and got it behind my back. And I thought he was going to break my arm. And I said, I'm going to call the Oakland County Police because he has two guns. And he said, no, I'm going to call the state police because that was the other thing he always did. He did a lot of gaslighting, which is yeah. when you try to convince somebody of something that didn't really happen. Yeah. And he also told me he had people. I have people. I have people to take care of this. Well, I don't know much about him, and I don't know who his people were, but he always told me he had, like, thugs and people. So he he had connections in the state police, so he was going to call them. And I was like, I don't want your people to come. I'm going to call Oakland County. They'll come and take care of me. Well, do you know the wicker balls that you use as decorations? So I threw one, and it cut, get a little cut on his head. And, um... Pin drop, but he let it bleed, and it was on his head, and Oakland County shows up. They walk in. I have a bathrobe on. I'm hysterical. I'm out of control. He's cool as a cucumber. He knows how to play the game. I don't. 
So they want our stories. They want us to write it up. I keep telling them about the whole situation all week of, mm-hmm. you know, how he's calling me, how he's wanting me to sleep with his friends, blah, blah, blah. They don't care about any of that. So then um, he shows them the blood and he shows them bruises and said, I did all this to him. Next thing I know, at one point, the police officer said something, and he told me to shut up. And I was like, excuse me? I pay your wages. Oh, that was a mistake. (laughs) So the next thing I know, they all decide there was four of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was four of them. And they tell me to stand up. And I said, okay. And they said, put your hands behind your back. And I'm like, why? And they're like, you're going to jail. I'm like, what? They're like, you're going to jail for domestic violence. I'm like, you are fucking kidding me. And they're like, nope. And I was like, you know, he told me if I ever called the police, I'd end up in jail, not him. I said, thank you for proving him right. So I was in a bathrobe. I asked him if I could put on clothes. (laughs) They didn't. The one officer went upstairs, got me sweatpants, a shirt. Um, They made me change in front of them. Um... So, I'm taken to Oakland County Jail where I spend 26 hours for domestic violence. So, did he tell them that he wanted to press charges and that's why they arrested you? No, he said he didn't want to press charges. But at that point and now, in today's ages, you don't have to have the other person press charges. The state will press the charges. Got it. But what he did tell me was... You know, he was, I'll, t- you, as they're taking me, I'll get you out. I'll do whatever. I've got connections. I got this. So I'm sitting in jail thinking I'm going to be popped out at any minute. No, that's not how it works. They put me in the back of the police car. They leave him in my house with my cat that he hates and take me to jail and leave him in my house. I said, you're going to let him stay in my house? He doesn't, is this is not his house? Yep. So, I go to jail. They make me change my clothes. I, I'm, you know, watch too much Orange is the New Black and talk about my clothes. And, oh, I don't want to be anyone's bitch. And they tell me they're not going to do that. So, in the meantime, I'm in jail. My mother gets a hold of him. My mother decides to call the jail and tell them I'm suicidal. <laughs> well, that's not. Because he tells my mom I'm suicidal. And... That's not the place you want them to think you're suicidal. Because yeah. they will put you naked in a, in a straight jacket in a cell. So I have to tell them. I do not know what they're talking about. I have not said anything about trying to kill myself. Nothing. I do, you know, I've never, I'm just trying to get myself out of this place. Well, the next morning is my, it's not hearing, it's, uh, it's not my preliminary trial. It's when you have to go inside in front of the judge and they set your bail and stuff. What Never. I can't what's bail, it? bail healing? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't. yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I'm sitting there and the prosecutor is telling me, you know, the judge is so mean. You know you can't put your hands on other people. She doesn't want to hear my side of the story because you're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. But anyways, she's like the prosecutor's like, with one phone call, Mr blah 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 left like i was making this all up that i couldn't get him to leave 
he tried to tell everyone he was going to leave at two o'clock that afternoon, but I went crazy and couldn't wait till he left. And I'm like, but you told me 15 days. He's like, no, I didn't. And so he's totally changing the story. But anyways, the prosecutor was like, yes. And he requests that she stay in jail until her, um, hearing date because he's afraid for his life. <sighs> now I'm five, five. I weighed more than I do now. I, I'm, when the police officers asked, I told them I wouldn't tell them my weight because I don't tell anybody my weight. It's my own thing. It's, <laughs> you know, my issue. But anyways, he's, so I'm 5'5", five five, so he's probably 5'7", five 5'8", five muscular, two guns, takes steroids, drunk, and he's afraid of his life. Yeah. And I'm a Rochester Hills housewife <laughs> that got just hauled into jail that never thought that would happen in his life. And I sat there as they're telling me this, and I can feel it because you don't go to the courthouse anymore. You get a video tr hearing yeah. in jail. You're put in a little room. You're not allowed to talk till the judge comes up on the video screen. You're only allowed to ask, listen. So I could feel them, and I'm sitting there thinking... This man was going to marry me, and now he thinks I'm going to kill him, and I'm, th I'm, you know, a threat. Yeah. And I'm thinking, he just told me he would do anything to get me out of jail, and he's telling them how scared he is of me? So I, can't, I don't understand it. I'm totally blindsided. I finally I get out on my own bail. I have to call my son to come pick me up. Humiliating. Yeah. I wouldn't let him pick me up. It was raining, so I walked out to Telegraph because I didn't want him to pick me up from jail. And I go home, and all his shit was gone, and he was gone, which was good, but then he started calling. Oh, baby, I love you so much. This yeah. is just a bad mistake. Blah, blah, blah. The ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I have this thing with men and manipulators. And yeah. I think. And I have to get a lawyer. Because I have to go to court. <laughs> and he doesn't offer to help pay for any of this. It's yeah. cost me five grand. Mind you, every the two hospital stays at Havenwick... I had to pay five grand for her, so that's ten grand between them. Here's another fifth, another five grand. So now we're talking fifteen grand that I've blown Jeez. in four years on nothing, really. Yeah. I mean, I always said it's cheaper to die than it is to survive from suicide. <laughs> these, but you know, I mean, it's it's not a funny. I mean. It's, it's not funny, but it's the truth. I mean, to yeah. survive, you got all these bills and you're depressed and you're supposed to be paying off the mental hospital. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. So anyways, you know, he calls me. He wants, you know, to see me. So I decide I'm going to go meet him because then the, he's still telling me he can manipulate the situation. He's got people. And if yeah. I don't do what he wants, these people are. So I go to court. Get in front of the judge, get the meanest judge in Rochester Hills. No attorneys want to go up against her. Nothing. And I get sentenced to nine months probation, 40 hours community service, $2,500 in fines, no drinking, no drugs, random drug testing, not allowed to leave the state of Michigan. I'm not supposed to have any contact with him. The whole gambit. 
Yeah. Something I never thought I'd see in my life. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in the United States because you're supposed to have freedom. Well, when you become a criminal, your freedom is really taken away, whether you're in jail or not. Yeah. Because I could not leave the state of Michigan. And if I got caught, I'd go back to jail. I was random drug testing. I got this probation officer. She was probably 26 years old, you know, little snot nose. And she's like, if you go anywhere for a few days, you need to let me know because if I send you a letter and you don't get drug tested in 24 hours, you'll go, you know, it's a violation of your probation. Which I thought if I told her, then I'm going to get drug tested. Yeah. So anyways, um, the whole time I'm on probation, Let's enter my parents here. My mom decides I should drink. Oh, have a drink with me. You know, we go out for Mother's Day. Try this beer. I go, Even Mom, I can't not, drink. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Okay. Mom, I'm on probation. They can rant. Oh, you can't. Mom. I mean, this happened a few. I had to go to my dad and be like, Dad, tell Mom to get off my case. Yeah. She didn't understand it. And... um. That this so this was a year ago Christmas. My dad's in the hospital, has issues, and I remember looking at my brother and I said, you know, I'm thinking I'm not going to go back to drinking. I really like this clarity I have. Yeah. No hangovers. I like. I'm controlling now, mind you, but somebody has told me I need to quit drinking. Yeah. So my brother's like, really? Aren't you going to miss it? I could never do that. And I go, well, do you drink to? get drunk or do you drink because you like the taste well, i don't know i guess i like the taste after two days i've got to have a beer okay well yeah. you know that's not how i am so i'm sober for nine months get off probation in january two weeks later um i, I was dated started dating a man from high school and he's a really nice guy. Anyways, things went bad. First drinking experience out of the um, probation. I go buy myself a fifth, drink three quarters of it, and try to kill myself again. Same thing? Yep. Pills. But this time, people called the police. And I answered the door and said, I'm fine. You can go on your merry way. So they left. They did what was called a well check. I was standing. They wanted to come in and talk to me. I had a criminal justice ca class the semester yeah. before. So I'm like, I know my rights. You can't come in without a warrant. Nope. Bye-bye. Um, I didn't die that time. I tried again a couple weeks later. Didn't die that time. But I did decide, hmm, I don't think drinking is very good for me. There's a pattern there. <laughs> Yeah, so I quit drinking in February so on my fourth suicide attempt. Then we fast forward to uh, yeah August, and we are in our fundamentals of drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah. And as I'm it's sitting there. where we there, meet. Yes. <laughs> as I'm sitting there and people are telling their story and the teacher's telling things, and I'm asking questions like, so do you mean if you don't drink for two weeks, but you go out and you get really shit-faced and you kind of black out, that that means you have a drinking problem? And he's <laughs> looking at me like, well, hell yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> really? I'm thinking, and I'm like, okay, well, what if you go out once a month? You should never drink shit you black out. Yeah. You should not. And I'm like, 
If your drinking is binge drinking, then you shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is where I learned you can be an alcoholic and not have to drink every single day. Yeah. Because you don't know when to stop. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot of boxes I checked in that class where I was like, oh, yeah, I might have... I might have a little bit of a drink. <laughs> yep. And he confirmed it for me. And um, he also confirmed the fact, which I had personally asked my dad several times. And my dad told me, no, my mother didn't have a drinking problem. No, my mother would tell me my dad didn't have a drinking problem. Then my parents were alcoholics. Yeah. I knew they were alcoholics. They, they live up north. They drink, I don't know, every single day. It's always, you know, on a Saturday. Well, it's almost noon. Or during the week. It's 5 o'clock someplace. Um, it's funny. My mom was a bigger drinker until I started drinking Cosmopolitans. And then she decided she liked Cosmopolitans. Then I liked Raspberry Stoli and 7-Up. Then that was her drink. And um, God, Raspberry Stoli and Sprite. I had a number of those in my day. <laughs> yeah. And lemonade with it, too. Raspberry Stoli and lemonade. Oh, that was great drink. They went down like they were water. And um, looking back now, I'm like, wow, I've had a drinking problem my whole life. Yeah. So how long have you been sober now? Since February. And because of this class, we had extra credit to attend an AA meeting. Yeah. Well, you can go to the open ones. Unless you're a drunk, you can go to the closed ones. Well, you know, I'm now considered a drunk. So I went to a closed one. And it was very enlightening. And um, I went back for my second meeting yesterday. That's awesome. And Congratulations. Um, That's really cool that you went back. I did. I thought, you know, this is not just the 10, 10 extra credit points. Yeah, this yeah. is more. Absolutely. And um, as they explained, you can take, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't take the horse the you know the horse not to drink the water well you can take a person to not drink but they can still be like a drunk in a sense or an asshole but they have 12 steps and then if you start working on those steps a lot of those steps are more learning about compassion and um and sanity and how you acted and how you've done stuff to people in the past and stuff and it ultimately you're just making yourself a better person yeah absolutely because you can be a very bitter non-drinker. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to take an inventory, take accountability. Um, I've always been a, f- a firm believer of, and I'm not someone that has completed the 12 steps, but I know them uh, well enough to believe that everybody should t- do some of them to some degree. Like taking a, a moral inventory and like really allowing yourself to take accountability for some of your actions, um, I think is something that can offer a lot of self-growth which is something people go through their entire lives and never have so uh that's really go- that's really awesome i'm glad you went to a second meeting i know you went to the first one and they gave you a chip right yep awesome i did get a chip for for not drinking for 24 hours and you know they were all like go 90 meetings and i told them the second time i said you know yeah. i haven't drank since february i said i'm coming because the holidays are coming up um i have not spoken to my parents since june okay we got in a big fight. My dad doesn't understand my mental illness of depression and anxiety. Um, I am very free in talking about me trying to kill myself. Yeah. Because 
I would hope if other people, I know it's a temporary solution, what people say to, you know, problems that could go away, but I never believed that. I was in another mental health class and they did, um, care house came in and talked about suicide and it was turned into be a huge trigger for me to the point where I did try to kill myself over a weekend and I went back to school and I had a black eye. And that was the first time that I had gotten to the point where I had blacked out trying to kill myself and I ultimately hurt myself and couldn't explain it. Yeah. And that time I realized I was happy I survived. It took me five times, <laughs> but I am can look at somebody, I can look at you in the face and say, I'm glad I'm here today. I'm glad you're here today. So, it sounds like you've had quite a journey <laughs> to get to here today. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that some of that takeaway uh, at this point is like, I know you, you kind of blame yourself for a lot of stuff. And I think, like I said, I think it's important people take accountability. Um, but also think, based on your story, like, <laughs> not not everything is your fault. Um, well, I will tell you, I asked my ex two years ago, I said, when are you going to take some responsibility for our divorce? And he said, I never will. You took 100%. I don't have to. Yeah. And I mean, that might be all you'll ever get from him. And then in our class that we took, the teacher not only is it 12 step, but he also talked about how you can go back and tell people you've done wrong and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really took his class to heart and took a lot of things he said to heart and I, his knowledge and it was amazing. He had no experience with drug or alcohol, but his knowledge beside, I mean, he never personally did drugs or alcohol, but his knowledge with it of all that stuff was beyond yeah. personal experience. So, I did write my ex. Um, I asked, I tried to get a hold of him to sit down and talk to me because he has not spoken to me in almost two years. If I go to his house, uh, he's threatened to call the police on me. It's funny. Once you go to jail, everyone uses that card on you. Oh, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call your probation officer. I'm, gonna, I'm like, what the hell? You go to jail once and that's <laughs> it. Now you're like, you know. But anyways, um, so he wouldn't meet with me and he wouldn't answer my anime calls. So I sent him in and I told my daughter and she's like, why do you care, mom? You know, you're mm -hmm. divorced. And that made me sad. So I wrote him an email and just said, my daughter couldn't understand why I care what you think of me. But I am the mother of your children. Mm -hmm. And we made two amazing children. And I told him, guess what? You're right. I'm an alcoholic. You won. You knew all these years took me a long time to realize it. I apologize for all my drunken nights. I apologize for everything. I said, but I finally have my shit together. I am in school. I'm working and I am dating a nice man who has been sober for five years, which I think is That's great. a good thing yeah. for me. He's nice. Not manipulative. No. That's good. <laughs> He's one of these men who every other man, if I'm, like, upset about something, they would get me more riled up. This yeah. man calms me down. Like, he compliments me so – compliments me, like, not telling me nice yeah, no, things, no. but, you, you know. Yeah, no, you compliment each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And 
it's such a wonderful feeling. And I guess maybe I had to go through all this bad to realize there is light at the end of the tunnel or my pot of gold and to appreciate someone who's so decent that came into my life and not take them for granted. Well, that makes me so happy. See, there's a happy ending. (laughs) Yeah. And And you know, what degree are you going for now? Social work. I'm, uh, we'll have my associates in the spring and then I'm going to go get my bachelor's at Oakland. Um, you know, I have my semicolon on my hand. If anyone asks, um, you are one of the few persons I've told about my fifth suicide attempt because that was the one time where I just, I didn't think I'd do it again. And I did. And that's the one you came out of feeling different. Yes. So it was meant to be. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I look at it. And I also believe this. Many people don't. But I believe you have a birth date and you have a death date. And I believe the reason I haven't died yet is because it wasn't my time. And there's I haven't a reason. haven't got that date yet. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you're going where you're going. Um, and I think your story is going to be part of who you are and how you help people in the future. And Well, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. I'm excited that, that, that you're here today. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think you you got a lot of great days ahead of you as well. I hope so. Thank you very much. And thank you for asking me to put my story out there. You know, Thank you for um, putting it out there. <laughs> I have, you know, I have no problems if anyone writes you with questions yeah. or anything. I can answer any questions, anything Reach like I'll that. I'll forward yeah. everything along to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been, an, it's been a long six years, but I can finally, I told my boyfriend the other day, I can tell you, I am actually happy. That's great. That's really great. All right, you just listened to my interview with my friend Lisa. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, what a what a crazy journey uh, Lisa has come through and uh, come out better, you know, in the end. And I think that's that's incredibly helpful. And I, I know we talked about suicide a few times on there. I do want to tell you if that's something that you are thinking about or you're in a bad place, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day. There's a number of other resources out there, whether it be a Facebook group or online chat service, there's a, there's a billion different resources. So don't let yourself feel that way. Uh, There's help out there and you can feel better. Lisa's proof, man, five times. That's, that's nuts. So that's, and she's come out better and stronger. And, uh, you know, she talks so nonchalantly about it that sometimes it's, it's, it'll take you back for a second, you know, but I think that says even more about the, the strength of the person um, that she's been able to discuss it and, and really overcome uh, what was going on there. On a lighter note, some, uh, some reviews. And if you guys want to leave reviews, you can do it on our Facebook page, friend request with Justin Lamb or right on the Apple podcast app, which is the place to be. Unless you don't have an iPhone, <laughs> then you should do it on Stitcher or something. Uh, here's a Facebook review from Rebecca. All I can say is this podcast is amazing. I'm finally caught up with the episodes, and every episode has been great to listen to. It's great to hear everyone's story, as well as how relatable certain things are in people's stories. Can't wait here to hear the future episodes hold. What future episodes hold? I can't read, and that's not on Rebecca's grammar. That's on me. Um... That's actually like, I wanted to read that one because that's what I go for. You know, how relatable certain things are in people's stories. 
everybody's got a story and it turns out like that's how we can communicate with each other because we all have shared experiences and we don't always know that because we don't talk about everything, you know? So I thought that was really nice to read. And then here's a one more for you. This is titled compelling stories. You can find this in the Apple podcasts app and you can leave your own review there. We are inundated with stories about the life and times of celebrities and athletes and authors, etc. It's rare that you get to sink into stories of your neighbors, coworkers, old high school friends, and acquaintances. We've all been through more than we realize, and the power of acknowledgement from another person is real. This podcast does just that, as in it gives all of the various people in our lives the opportunity to tell their story, be heard, and be acknowledged. I love this podcast. I love you. You guys are great. I appreciate it. Um, I'm taking a break from social media this week. So I'm going to plan my post today and I will talk to you guys next week, February 10th for episode 24. Keep reaching out, please. Uh, any feedback you have, any reviews, ratings, always appreciated. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Have a great week.